So welcome to Juiceless. Welcome to the podcast. So introduce yourself and then tell us what you do. So my name is Delanya. I am an artist born in Ghana, working in Ghana. And I work primarily using inner tubes, rather rubber inner tubes, uh, to create sculptures and installations. And my work touches on themes of rebirth and identity. Because I, I love, really love how I take this material that seems to have no value and it goes through that process of having an added value. And I feel like I enjoy all the narratives and everything that is involved within that process. So, Okay. I want the backstory of how you actually got started as an artist. What were you doing before? What inspired you to start as well? There'll be two backstories. The back backstory was me beginning. So I studied HR in school and marketing. And during my marketing graduation, which was actually in Paris, I went to the Louvre and I feel like that was the moment whereby I felt inspired to be an artist. Like walking through the museum and seeing all the antiquities and everything, I just felt like there was something within me that said I, I, I could do this. And I feel like there's something I could do that belongs in a place like this. I got back and funny enough, a new friend I'd made who was leaving the country gifted me paint brushes, oil paints and paint brushes. And I didn't know I was going to do with that because all I knew back then was, I mean, just doing some graphic design, right? And that's what I was doing while I was in school. Um, I started experimenting with oil paint and that was my first entrance into the world of art by making paintings. And it was like, which year was this? This was in 2015. So the graduation was 2014, okay. but then 2015 when I actually began painting officially. Then fast forward, I'd been experimenting with lots of things. I hadn't fully delved into art, but I had begun painting. I was doing a lot of other things. But it was in 2018 that I decided to take art seriously. And that's when I began researching a lot more on African art. Because I felt for a long time, as I was painting, you know, like, I was inspired by Picasso, first of all. And one of the things I read about Picasso was that he was inspired by African art, African mask. So then my question was, if Picasso is inspired by African art, and I'm right here in Africa, why am I, and he's making all these great works, what can I actually tap in from my own space to create something great? So yeah. in researching African art, I decided, I, I, chance on this idea of creating work using found objects. And I even discovered the work of Ellen Atri, who created a lot of huge tapestries using bottle caps and all that. So that just felt like an aha moment for me, like found objects, like that was where I felt my quote-unquote calling was. And I began experimenting with sacks, gallons, like a whole lot of mediums. But then fast forward, I, I still felt like all these mediums had been used in ways that I wanted them to be used because I wanted to own a, a particular medium that I felt hadn't been fully explored. Explored because I felt like, okay, jute sacks. Uh, I'm using jute sacks that I hear about, okay, why are you using this? I feel like in whatever way I wanted to use this, someone is using it or gallons. And I was like, I felt like I just need one that hadn't been. So fast forward and I discovered the inner tubes, just the strips of tubes, which, which is usually used by cobblers and everything. Because I was creating a steam project, I discovered those strips of tubes. And that was like kind of like my entrance into using these because now I had it in my studio, but I still didn't know what to do with it till I guess 2022, where I finally realized, okay, fine. Which is a longer story behind how I finally used it. But then let's say I, I got to that in 2022 using just that. And immediately I landed on it. I felt like it's opened up a whole 
a whole new universe, which I, I like to call the tigers, with the various possibilities of how to use the inner tube ties and everything and what they mean in the environment and all that. So that's, that's kind of like a trajectory from 15 to 18 and okay. 22. These are the main like key, key moments. Yeah. yeah. In that moment of experimentation, how did you decide what material to play with and how do you go about sourcing material? Okay. With the first JUTAC, I was working in a hospital. So it was really easy for me. I was just working in the warehouse. And I saw a juke sack lying down. And around that time, um, there was an open call for, by Alliance Francais for um, this violence against women and girls. This an open call for artists to create works. And so I, I was just thinking to that, that. And when I was walking to the warehouse, I just saw this juke sack lying on the ground, which was torn and tattered. I was like, yes, this is the canvas I need for my painting. So that's how it happened. And even with the gallons in the same hospital I was working in, I went to the kitchen, the kitchen, like this closed down part, which was like, it was just really closed off. And I saw a lot of dumped gallons, which are just like lying there, like lots of them. I was like, okay, I can do something with it. So I guess it's always been about seeing trash piled up somewhere. And the idea just comes that this thing has value. So even with the, with the ties again, I mean, in Ghana, at, in every corner or almost every corner, you see a Volcanizer shop, you know, with them selling huge number of ties and everything. And so to me, it was, it was just about, okay, I've seen this huge number of ties and I just usually just walk to them. I just walk to them and tell them I need this. And I always get the same question, what do you call it? Which is like, what, what are I going to use it for? And I just tell them it's for an art project or I've now started saying upcycling project. So I do not ask me what, they, what it means. And th- that's how I just get them. So it's really about just going from place to place with an SAC asking for inner tubes. Some you have to pay for them or yeah. it's free? The bicycle inner tubes are usually paid for because and the water tanker guys use it for mending their valves and all that when about their valves. So it's usually yeah, like about two CD. But then the track ties are also used for fixing other punched um, inner tubes. So I pay for them roughly. But then with the bike, the motor ties, the first time was somewhere free. Like they just give to me because they have no use for it. But later on, when I go again the second time, they start adding a price for it. Like they'll ask, how much do you usually buy it? Or, uh, things like that, or oh, I'll give it to you for this, and I'll just have to bag in and things like that. But then I realized that um, the more I go, the higher the price gets, which is also something I found interesting in this whole idea of value because something that had no value all of a sudden has value. The more I engage with these people, you know, the more I ask them for more, the, the more they realize that there's something going on with it. So, funny enough, there's this the project I began recently, which is a, um, the homecoming project, which was me having pop up exhibitions in work on other shops to you know, like have that, that dialogue between the material and the spaces. When I started doing that, the organizers all of a sudden decided to raise their prices <laughs> because now they've seen the final thing. <laughs> and I remember yeah. going somewhere, like I was like, I'll give you 100 Ghana. I'm like, this thing I bought for two Ghana CDs. Why are you now raising the price all of a sudden to this? But then I, I feel like it's one of the interesting things about sourcing, the sourcing of material. So in some cases, I just let someone else go and do it so that I'm no longer the face behind the sourcing and it can, I can get the prizes that I want as well. Yeah. And in that homecoming series, what was your thought process behind sort of installing your pieces in, in those spaces? Yeah, I guess, what was your, your why? The why is, so there's this, um, I wrote recently about this song, the that's uh, about, we can, we've come from far. The idea that people like these works have been to different parts of the world now. 
uh, God's grace. And now people see them, but no one really knows where they came from. And mind is that there's this thing about identity that, uh, which is a huge part of what my work talks about, that people, many, many times people don't even know where they are from. And I feel like many people don't know where their works are from. Where's their identity? Where's their, where's their roots, their hometown, you know? So this idea of the works going back to their hometown for people to see that this refined objects really came from these spaces. And so I actually appreciate yeah. where it came from because at the exhibition, I usually like talk about discarded material, blah, 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 blah. But then it's easy if you are, it's, it's not easy for many people to imagine these spaces. For people who drive, yes, maybe they've fixed their cars in these spaces a couple of times, but many people don't even pay attention. They just park, pump and leave. But then to actually walk yeah. through these spaces to see the, the, what's really inside those huge pile of tires over there or what's inside his shop and how like a little messy, the real spaces are, no one really sees that. So I'm just trying to say that like, you see this thing that had no value and was from this place. And it's been transformed and it now has values. So I just really enjoy that. That's kind of like conversation that is now beginning to have whereby people are seeing these spaces and appreciating where yeah. it came from and, and all of that. Yeah. It's kind of like roots. People, you need to let people know your roots. No matter where you get to, it's like being in touch with your roots and knowing yeah. where you came from. Yeah. That's kind of like what it's about. Still with that series, who owns the installations that you leave at these? Oh yeah, spaces? so this is my studio. So the, the thing is that um, they are they are pop up. That's how I call them pop up installations. It's not like the typical gallery ones which will last for like a month or two. They're not they're permanent. permanent installations. So it's just um, a period of time, and I capture it. Like I mentioned, most gallery exhibitions are for people, the public, or the art world, people in the art world, and etc. But with these ones. A huge part is the organizers themselves and the people within the community. With that, it's just it's for them. Yeah. I engage with them. Then, so the the memory of it is what I have on photograph or video, and that's what I use for the conversations that I have with people. Or that you get what I'm trying to say. So everything comes back to the studio, and these are the same works that will probably be exhibited somewhere else. But then some of them are temporarily being, yeah. you know, that's why I don't do too many. But it's just to see, okay, that kind of contrast, like this is within the space, and that. How your piece interacts with the communities it comes from. I could as well just have a picture on a plain white wall and have it as in the catalog as my work. But rather than that, I'm yeah. putting it in these spaces for people to have that interaction within that. And yeah. What has been some of the feedback you've gotten so far from that series? The first one was actually, I was actually surprised with the first one, you know, because the first one goes, you know, you can get an idea, but you might think you're crazy <laughs> for having this idea. And, so the first one, when I put the first ones out, I was actually really surprised. I was, actually, I actually consulted a couple of people. Let me just put it there. I consulted like a few people uh, about, hey, I, I'm planning this thing. What do you think about it? And they were like, brilliant, do it. So I think I already had the, as I say, the morale <laughs> to, or the backing to do what I was going to do. So when I actually did it, like I realized, that, okay, fine, this thing makes perfect sense. And I guess the feedback I got from people was also like uh, fabulous because it was actually beyond what I actually expected. So I was like, okay, this thing makes sense. You know, so I think that made me even see the bigger picture of what it, what it was because now it's like, I see a vulcanizer shop and instantly I see it as a bigger part, an extension of my practice yet. And so it's like, whether the work is there or not, I started seeing them as bigger extensions and there's more possibilities and more dialogues to be created with within those spaces and my work as well. You know, so I think that that's kind of like, what it led yeah. to and yeah i'm actually really like looking forward to a lot more of them okay 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 
let's talk about identity and why it plays such an important role in your work. How did that become of interest? And what do you seek to sort of convey as a message to what you're doing? With identity, I remember like back in 2019, again, that was pre-working on um, with the inner tubes. I was asked this question, why are you in Ghana as an artist? What do you get in Ghana? Like, wouldn't you do better somewhere else? And I mean, things like that. So I started questioning who I was because hey, I was born here. There's, I, I can't make any... I wasn't born in, let's say, one of the major art centers of the world. I was born in Ghana. Like, that's what I was given. Mine is, I just believed that, okay, fine. And this, my spiritual said, okay, if God put me here, what's the reason? Why am I Ghanaian? Why am I aware? Why am I half Ghan, half aware? Why do I have these two lineages? So, and everything that I am, that makes me in this place at this time. So I started, like, thinking about all those things to kind of justify the reason why I'm here and how to take advantage of who I am. So I started pulling in references, let's say, from Jamestown, which is part of part of where uh, another half of me comes from. So I pulled in references. I go to Jamestown, I'm looking at the visuals, like how I'm in Ghana, so what can I take from this space? And I started I, taking in like uh, references from my airway side too. So most of my works have airway names uh, as well, because, uh, which, I, which I'll get to in a bit. So like, I started pulling things from my airway background and visuals from my Jamestown side, uh, airway forms of weaving came to cloth, like things that are unique to me that if I was in another country, I couldn't get. Then I, uh, I started pulling that in my work. In further doing that, it, it brought about other um, elements or other visual elements that sort of, what I call it, made it clear that, let's say, I was Ghanaian, <laughs> you know. So I started involving the license plates, which when you see, you can just tell that this is a Ghanaian work with an airway name, you know. So it's sort of brought about all those things that I guess made me realize that, okay, maybe this is why I'm here. There's a part of me that is unique and that is that can only come from Ghana, that I can put in my work. And that if I was somewhere else, I could never have had all those elements that would be uniquely Ghanaian in, in my work, you know? So it was just basically a, a, a way for me to understand myself as an artist and why I was here and how to take advantage of my identity here. And in doing that, I was just putting all these elements. And another part of the identity is part of that. Even though I'm an airway, I can't speak airway. And I've heard a lot of times about people saying it's a shame and everything, which I'm probably tired of hearing right now. I think one time I was buying something, I was a movie vendor, and I heard all of them were speaking everywhere around me. At that point, I was like, enough, I need to learn this language. So my way of learning airway or getting in touch with my airway identity was where I started using airway names. Because airway gives birth to, airway names are usually based on situations surrounding the birth of their children. So I decided to do the same thing in my works by giving them names based on the situation surrounding their creation as a way of like an, kind of like an airway outdoorance ceremony. Okay. So that's also tied in the identity part of my work, work as well. So, um, so I, I guess basically that's why it's important to me, like me understanding who I am and yeah, appreciating myself as a Ghanaian. Yeah. Yeah. So fast forward now, if you ask the same question, why are you in Ghana and why are you an artist in Ghana this time? Do you have an answer for that now? Have you sort of like discovered an answer? Well, I keep saying that like my work keeps, the work is just kind of like giving me answers day by day. Like even the Vulcanizer shops, I was supposed to have this residency in the UK and I remember whilst we're talking about the materials, well, how do I get my materials and everything? I think I remember they sent me this mechanic yard and I looked it up. I mean, they even had an email and everything. I looked it up and I realized that, whoa, like these things, what the volcanic shops you have here in this mm. way, it is dilapidated, 
having the, giving me what I want to create my work, the visual, I can't get it, you know? So for me as an artist, I feel like I'm pulling everything I have here into the work, you know, because you have this work elsewhere okay. and I'm like, where else will you see this particular, uh, what's it called? Discarded thing, which is all like almost, it's very worded, connected to this uh, rivets, which I seem to only get in Ghana. Like I've checked Amazon, I still can't get that same type of rivets. I don't know why. I'm just, it's safe from somewhere else, but it's found me in Ghana. Like my materials are all Ghana, you know, and I feel like all the interactions we even have in the studio, you know, like everything is just purely Ghanaian. This is to borrow someone's brand name. <laughs> it's just like purely Ghanaian. And, and to me, like, it's just making me appreciate myself more as a Ghanaian. Because if not for that, you know, I feel like there'll be a lot of Western influences just floating to my mind, especially when I was painting. Everything was a Western influence, but now I'm seeing everything around me as and why I'm in Ghana, why I'm in Accra, and why my a lot of what I use for my work can only be here, you know, because a lot of people places don't have what we have here to create what I'm creating here. So yeah, yeah. so I think I think that that's that answers it for me. But I, I, like I said, I'm still my practice is I guess it's a continuous evolution of finding that that answer the answer to that question. So yeah, you also hinted at the fact that you keep sort of like discovering clues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. as you continue working on your craft in what ways do you come to this awareness in what ways do you sort of recognize these clues i don't say continuous learning but that sounds so i don't know <laughs> but then i guess it's um curiosity like being more curious about what it is and how to evolve because being who i am i easily get um, tired of doing the same thing for a long time it's like even taking this material i'm constantly exploring like what forms can it be in? How can it be in this way? The more we go to the the, the uh, shop video and film, and like what what can we do next or new around this space? So like it's not just I'm doing the same 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 thing. So I think to me that opens up a lot of doors for the the, the these clues because uh, my background or let's say my creative background had a lot of design video and all of that inside. So. The more I pull that in, the more I discover other things. So, like even with the, with the short films I started working on, like after every exhibition, there's this short film I create. That's another thing. So, in doing that, watching the video, seeing all these conversations that you're having with them, and the question is, how can we now also let's say go back there again? Or what can we do the next time? How can we do this? Or how can we change the form? This work has already been done in a second okay. way. What is next? What, what other things were the organizer shop that can use or I think my biggest thing was how to how to just make it not all black and about the ties because I felt like I've always wanted to make sure that it, there's some uniqueness in it. In the fact, in the sense that with if it's just one medium, I feel like I mean anyone can use it. So I like to create what I call alloys, like yeah. fusing the inner tubes with, with other materials, so that at least I know that it's it, it's finding its way it's a lot of other things. You know, like the recent one I did, which was the inner tube with your jute sacks. You know, so it's like there's a light sax and there's a heavy inner tube weaving them together and, and to create this new form, which I really love. You know, so things like that. That's just a continuous yeah. experimentation. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's go back to 2015. Okay. Especially at that time, it's hard for traditional Ghanaian parents to sort of buy into the vision of you being an artist. At that time, what was the feedback you had from your family? Um, hmm. Do they support what you do now? So this question, I'll never find the best way to answer it. I guess I've grown up with one thing in mind, which is 
this, whatever decision you take for your life, you're accountable or responsible for the outcomes in a sense that if you, you, yeah, own, you own it, it yeah. you know, and I think I've always grown up not wanting to be that old man who is insulting younger, talented people and saying, yeah, wasting your life. This talent, I'm already doing with this talent. Like it's because I'm, I'm going to go back a bit and come back to this. Like my life in uni, you have a lot of people who, let's say, started some creative things like they're rapping, they're doing music and later on the year stopped. And there are many people who grew up like that and say, oh, I used to do this. I used to do that. I used to do that. And I never wanted to be that person to say that I, what's it called? I had this talent or I could do this thing and I'm moving forward. I'm probably in my 70s. I'm saying that I'm insulting a lot of younger people who are trying to use that creative talent and saying that they're wasting that life. That has been my thing. Even at home, there are times before my, because like I said, I've had many creative transitions. There were times where I was in my in my computer era, as I was coding back then, where it was like, don't do this. And I, and I, and I had a lot of, um, at that, like, okay, you are using this. So yeah, basically I had this, those periods where it's like, oh, you're doing this tomorrow, don't do this. Or so and so will be doing away. Like I'm compiling some creative stuff. So like, I've had all that, like where, where you can say, oh, there was no support. But then all those things just told me, told me this thing about not focusing on support. Like it's like, whether support comes or not, my output doesn't have to be based on someone's support. You know, the only support that someone will say you can get is you had a roof on your head. That is enough support. But when it comes to moral support, mine is I don't need someone to kind of say, believe in yourself, you can make it, you know, all of that because I wasn't going to wait for that to come. You don't need a pep talk. No, 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 I don't need that. Yeah, yeah. and mine is, even if there's no money, like, oh, take this to start this. No, I'm not, nothing is needed. Because I feel like I've come to the point of time whereby I've said, this is what I'm doing. So if it feels, it's me. If it works, thank glory to God. You know, but then to wait for support for somewhere else. And I, I always realize that when you do it and it works, support will come. That's how I see it. But then in the meantime, support to me is just don't talk <laughs> when I'm doing it. And which is what I, I guess it ended up being. Like that silence for some time. Then when it it works it, it comes on and anyone wants to talk i mean that that's that's fine for me so um because yeah so i think that's kind of like what happened uh, that's kind of like how my creative journey has begun with me just being isolated and i've had areas whereby i'll try and support family in in businesses a bit but then there been a time where i just knew that that is making me depressed so let me just try and focus on this thing even if there's no quote-unquote support if there's no money coming from somewhere I'm going to start with what I feel like can fund the business. So I started with like, I was doing graphic design and the rest to try and support myself because graphic design, I mean, I have a laptop or I have a phone. But at the point I just had an iPad. So it's like iPad and on, I have a phone. I can call clients. I have Instagram. I post my work. People want it. They come. I have funding. So it was just like seeing what I had to get my funding. And at least from that, from there on, I could keep on moving to the point of, doing what I'm doing now. And I feel like, honestly, that's the hardest point for many artists, which I guess many people don't talk about because that moment whereby you know that you've signed up to do something that you are the only one who has to believe in no matter what, whether money comes, whether funding comes, whether no people support you or not, you just have to do it. Have to do it. Just be in your own corner and do it, you know? So, yeah, but then since I began, I feel like that has opened up, so I say, wells of support, you know? Which, which I guess has been great. And even, even with the, with the painting, I'll, I'll keep him with the painting that I was giving money to buy some 
that's when I began painting, like to buy some canvases at the beginning. You know, I have I've had those moments. Okay, give money to buy canvases. If it's not selling, I have the, the typical talk like, "What's going on? Would you like to find a real?" Job? Yeah. <laughs> you know, things like that. So it's kind of like on and off. But then, like I said, it's best to be tough and not dwell too much on that idea of support. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think a lot of what we do as artists, especially yeah. in Ghana, is relatively new. Mm-hmm. We're in uncharted waters. Yeah. There's not a lot of representation. There's not a lot of examples. Yeah. So that is just being created. Five, ten years ago, you couldn't name a Ghanaian artist who's on the global yeah. stage, mm-hmm. you know. But that is slowly yeah. changing. I think sometimes the push you need is what you don't get. So you just have to push and power through yeah. by yourself, right? Because I remember when I just started doing my podcast, you know, and I, like, I, I spent hours at home editing and my mom was like, ah, what's this thing you're doing on the radio? I was like, mom, I'm not working yeah. on the radio. <laughs> this is not a radio. This is, I'm not a journalist. This is a podcast. So I sort of had to break it down and then sort of explain that my, I have a vision for storytelling. This is what I want to do. Uh, and she's like, oh, okay, okay. I didn't know such a thing existed. She sees me doing it every day. And just by the number of times she's seen me do it and the exposure, because she's around me, she sort of understands that, okay, now this is what this guy is yeah. going to do. Now she, she sort of buys into it and then she also enjoys the process yeah. as well. Because so, now she can see the amount of work that I put in, right? And she's like, oh, okay, th- this guy's committed, mm-hmm. you know? I feel like, that is just happening. And what we as artists can do is sort of also sort of give encouragement to other people that are also bystanders and looking and saying, oh, how can I do this thing too? Right. Yeah. Because if you're waiting, it's not going to come. It's not going to happen. The truth of the matter is that I'm saying like, what you're saying, you need to put in that work to get the result of it. You know, you need to put in that work because if you want the support, I feel yeah. like you put in the work because... If you have entered the territory no one has seen, no one has the answer. So probably like, what are you doing? So till you do that work and let them see that you're really committed yeah. and serious, no one is going to... So to me, I guess yeah. that, that to me was it. Whereby it's yeah. like, just put in the work and do that. And I mean, it's just funny how I say that the encouragement to other artists. Basically starting from where you are at is, is what I believe in. Like whatever it is you have, if it's just two colors of paint and a brush, then your work is, is going to be two-toned. And that is create something fantastic, you know. Because I be- when I began this work, the inner tubes I purchased were all 30 Ghana CDs. You know, a huge bag, 30 Ghana CDs. And, and that was yeah. what I needed to start. I didn't need su- huge bags and so many tools. And, and I, I didn't need just 30 Ghana CDs to start. And with an Instagram account, that's what was needed, you know. And I feel like this idea of having all the answers before starting is it's where the problem comes. Yeah. And I feel like even when the support is we need, because yeah. even let's say AdWords, support whether it's collectors whether it's other institutions or whatever it is all those things i feel like come when you just we just take that step but if it's just like an idea or we never do anything to even begin with i feel like all those things never come so whether it's to me support is bigger than me just family it's you know it's it's huge it's anyone i guess god brings your way to, to help you do what you're doing you know it's support you know, so. yeah to add to that i think a big part of that is also believing in your identity as yeah, an artist, exactly. right? When you own the word, I'm an artist, therefore I create, yeah. 
you 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 learn to value what you create and then you learn to quiet the noise exactly. because in the beginning it's going to look like you are your biggest critic you're going to look like oh i don't like what exactly. i've done this thing uh, is it really working this thing is it really nice is, is it really acceptable Will people like it you know once you start sort of like paying attention to that that's when you you lose yourself and you lose that uh, i would say that great that you need to own exactly. your identity exactly. as an artist i think that also takes time mm-hmm. as with anything else that also takes time where you sort of reprogram your mind to get comfortable being uncomfortable yeah. with the work you know because sometimes we can be our own biggest critics we are never satisfied mm-hmm. with our works um, it's like sense. i remember when i said doing my earlier interviews you know, I used to write the questions down, then I'll ask. The format was very much of a Q&A, okay. right? And then I would ask, like, people who would listen to it, oh, did you like it? And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. It was too, it was too much of a Q&A yeah, vibe. Yeah, yeah. I was like, but I didn't even have ideas of, like, how I could make it into a conversation, yeah. you know? Even though I was uncomfortable with hearing that mm-hmm. feedback, I still, I still, like, worked yeah. around it and then just kept mm-hmm. moving. So, so that's the point of what I'm also saying that you don't need to have all the answers or you don't need to wait till you're exactly. ready. Exactly. Th- th- that's a big misconception as exactly. well. You're never, ever, 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 ever going mm-hmm. to be ready. You, you just, you just have to keep showing exactly. up. That's what I've come to learn. You mentioned us being our own worst critic, but then learning to also have the skin to handle cri- criticism from others. Because when, they, when that comes from outside and we're not able to handle it, then we just quit. And that... And that becomes yeah. also something. Um, so, so, like that thing people talk about believing in yourself and believing in your voice, also becomes very important at, at that point in time. Knowing whether or not you feel like what you're, the sense in what you are doing, or whether you're, you're wasting your time, because they all, they will always yeah. be the critic. Yeah. The, what has been the most challenging part of the last three years? The last three years. Wow, that, that, that that's a huge um, timeline. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a huge one you've given there. Three years. Three years ago was COVID, so I mean, I mean that sounds cliche, but yes, I say COVID. <laughs> yeah, that's twenty twenty. Yeah, I mean the, the specifics would probably be before the before I began the energy works. That would probably be the most challenging. I feel like that's when before I began uh, working with the energy works. Like I mentioned, I was doing graphic design, web design. I was creating bags. I was painting. I was just doing like a ton of things. Somewhere I hadn't even mentioned. I had like over ten emails different things I was supplying to. Like, I was just doing so many things. Which I felt like was burning me out. And at, at a point in time, I felt like a lot of clients were just bailing out. Which I just didn't get it. Like, all of a sudden, clients who I was expecting money from would just say, oh, we won't do this again. And it was just coming, like, back to back. And things were just, like, falling apart all around me, you know. Which is, like, which is like yeah. gen- January. January 2022. Yeah, January 2022. Everything was just falling apart on me. And at that point, I just knew that there had to be a, a change in my life. Like, I just needed to, to um, settle on one thing and just know the direction my life was going in because I was spread really thin. Yeah, so that was uh, when, um, what's it called? I just took the time to really pray about everything I, I was going through. Like, and my biggest prayer was just to know what I had to do in my life and what exactly, with all the creative things I was doing, what exactly I needed to focus on and what really was for me. You know, so, I mean, I've talked about this in a different interview, but I, I spoke about this dream I had where I saw the inner tubes coming together. And at that point was when I knew that, yes, this is what, what I'm working on. And the, the, that sort of answered my question and took away the chaos I was going through. You know, so 
immediately I woke up from that, I just threw everything away. I, I have destroyed more paintings than I don't know. A lot of drawings. I, I just like trashed a lot of old things I was working on, scrapped everything I was doing and just focused on the inner yeah. you know. So I feel like I needed that, that low moment when nothing was working, you know, when I was panicking, when there was lights or full price was going, I started buying diesel, like everything was just like haywire all around, around, you know, and just like, I just knew that my life had to change at, at that point in time. So, so I'll say it was January, 2022. No. I mean, the COVID ones there, yeah, I mean, it was easy to handle, <laughs> but we're just, we're just indoors, but January 22 was, it was the main one. Okay. What did that change look like? That change looked like, like, as I mentioned earlier, throwing away everything that I did, which wasn't connected to ties. So it was like my huge step of faith that this is it and it's going to work. Okay. I, yeah. I, I, I just threw old books away. Like I actually have a huge bag, which I, I'm going to throw away, like with all my writings or plans and everything for every other thing I was doing meant trash, like everything drawings I had made trash. Like I'm like anything that is not tied to this, I'm throwing it away. So I just like cleared the studio, put away everything linked to the old ones, all the bags I was working on. I just put them in one corner. I'm like, okay, this is the past, you know, like, Total rebrand. I'm saying this is me. Like, you know, and the funny thing now is that like after more than a year or less than a year actually, people started calling me the Thai guy. So it just came funny how like that <laughs> shift in focus became started becoming part of my identity. Now that introduce yourself, oh that Thai guy, yeah, yeah, I see you, I see you, like a Thai guy. Like it just becomes part of like everything now. So yeah. So I learned this thing about focus. That, that's what Honestly, it's something I, I keep learning over and over again. But the idea to just focus and say, I'm doing this and I'm doing this. And I'm not going back to any other yeah. thing. It's not related to it. So you not see me painting a pineapple. <laughs> that is not, hasn't got to do with anything I'm doing now. I'm just going to like, the Thai universe is my space. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think social media has also done us a big disservice in terms of a lot of work people do in the background that we don't see or we don't get to appreciate, but we just see the body of work on social media. So we think, yeah. oh, you can easily switch from like tire to plastic sachet bags and then that will work. You yeah. understand? But that means that you, it's like you're learning a new language. You have to learn how to work with the material. Mm-hmm. You have to give it time, right? You have to give yeah. it time to develop your ideas. You have to give it time to develop your message. That, that's what I feel like social media doesn't really show, you know, yeah. it doesn't show the time that went into like yeah. discovery of you learning how to use the material. Yeah. No, I, I just want to take this moment to just give someone a shout out because the, all these journeys, honestly, like one artist, I mean, you've interviewed him before. So Ishak, he's, he's been one artist who has been very instrumental, you know, like when it comes to the advice and support, like even I used to go to his place. We met in 2017 and he showed me all these sketches and okay. I should see like this consistency. He was, he was kind of like my, he is my mentor. Like I like to call it that way. And everything I started knowing, like, okay, have this consistency, have this language. You can't just have this and have this. And I'll study his work. Like when you see work from this year to this year, it's all having the same look. So I think that idea of consistency was just one thing that, that I learned from him a lot and owning, on the medium and everything. So the idea, what you're saying about shifting from 
you know, plastics to like types of plastics and everything was, it's something that, I mean, we've spoken about that you can't just switch. If people you yeah. put this out, people know you for this, you stick to, you stick with it. And that becomes your, like your brand, you know, that becomes you. So yeah, I, I got that yeah. love from people. I'm saying that you can switch, but it takes time. Then that transition whereby there will be that shock where it's like, yeah. what, what, what is he doing now? Like, how yeah. did you do this? So there has to be that explainer, you know, and, and it has to be a gentle yeah. switch. But I feel like when people just make their radical shift, you know, it's like, where did, where did this thing come from? Unless you've, you've gone, had a, like a long yeah. break, then all of a sudden it's like you come back with something radically new. But then if it's just boom, boom, from one point to another, you know, it's just like, where did this thing come from? You know, and I feel like it, it can destabilize your your career in a way if you're you're if you're not careful because because I'm this artist there and I asked him like I think I was in Miguel one of his works. And I asked him because I'm like I've seen your first work and less than how many months you are doing this new thing. Like how will we able to associate you with the other one or is this I just going to switch again the next time? You know because there's no clear consistency in your work. You know and. So that is one thing I know. Like there's there's a point for experimentation, and there's that exp, what they call exploring the medium. Like exploring, like I'm mixing up the words. But one is just like I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just checking out different things. And one is I have one, and I'm just seeing how to spread it out in, in different ways. I guess it's just like knowing what time to do what and how to do what you know. And I guess that that residency space is where you want to try something radically new, or you just pull yourself away and try something radically new. But then typically that consistency has to be there for a period of time so that you can be known for X, Y, before you just like switch. Also looking back, what do you wish you knew before you started? Hmm. I mean, I'll say so many things. (laughs) So many things. What's number one? Patience. (laughs) No, you have to be patient because certain things just take time. You know, like if you know that it gives less anxiety because nothing just, the seed time and harvest time, nothing just springs out like that. You don't just become yeah. overnight, blah, blah, blah. So knowing that it's a long, like it's a long stretch and we just need to pace ourselves, you know? So that takes away a lot of worry, you know? Because even a lot of the applications that we create in this industry, it takes months before you, you get feedback. And if you say you're going to worry and be patient, think about this, or even dealing with people in the industry, that different agents, dealers, blah, blah, blah. Patience, like in knowing how to relate to everyone because being impatient can just mess one up. You know, you can just get an email something, you shouldn't email <laughs> and, and things like that. So I think learning that patience has just helped me to not do certain things I shouldn't do. But in the cases whereby I was just restless because I felt like I wanted to see, I, I like, I'm just waiting for this thing and it's two months away. I don't know when it's going to happen, you know, things like that. But then in just learning to wait and be patient, I mean, things turn out beautiful. You know, and so I, I think that's just that's just one, one of the things that I've, I constantly hear and I, I'm learning this idea of being patient. Yeah. I will also add to that to say that for whatever virtue you're in pursuit of, you're going to be tested for. Oh, yeah. So oh, if, yeah, yeah, no, the test your patience is going right? to be tested. Yeah. So no, I'm actually saying it out of test, whereby I realized I had to be learned. You know, it was like, yeah. wow. You just know, like, you want to do something. But you're like, no, don't yeah. do this. <laughs> you know, because I'm like, yeah. I, you can just shoot yourself in the foot. Like, mm-hmm. mine is just be, I mean, and that's why, like, the Bible is so key. Live at peace with all men. That's one thing. 
And one thing also, like this thing I said about seed time and harvest time, when you plant a seed today, you can't expect it to, to germinate tomorrow. If I apply for something today, yeah. I can't expect to just hear from them tomorrow. You know, there's a season point I emailed yeah. at the beginning in March when I started. And I got to respond like after a year, I'm like, okay, so he actually saw yeah. the email a year ago, you know, so things like, I'm like, and when she just rest, it's like, oh, and start getting all agitated. I'm like, just relax. You've probably seen the email, but then you probably need to grow in your practice. People need to see you're probably serious before they get back to you. Things like that. Cause I remember like back yeah. in 2019 or so, I emailed like, was it like a hundred emails I sent? <laughs> I only got feedback from like two, you know, and things like that. So it's like, yeah. I just realized, and that was like way before even these ones. And this one, with the Thai ones, I got like like 10 emails and one go back the next year. You know, so, or something, you want someone to have a studio visit, they don't say anything. But literally, they come back and they purchase their work. And you're like, okay. Because the world doesn't revolve around we, the artists. That's the thing. The world doesn't revolve around us. So, yeah. it's just learning that makes you comfortable that, okay, the world doesn't revolve around me. While this is waiting, I'm working on this. And I don't need to let my mind be so worried about all the other things that I'm probably yeah. doing or applying for or doing whatever it is. So yeah, after the test, they come every single day. You just need to know how to be nice to this person, how to be kind, how to be talk well, and how, how to just wait for major things to come. You know, certain things will come in 50 years in an artist's career, yeah. 80 years, some will come 10 years, some will come there's the next day. But then I guess sometimes also how, how we've built ourselves, like as you're saying, the virtues, how well we've built ourselves in these areas, how, humble are you? How patient are you? How loving are you? How all these things. We can't think we deserve all these things if we haven't worked on ourselves in these areas. So I think slowly, so some yeah. of the things I'm realizing that the art, art world in general isn't, isn't as different as other worlds. It's just about knowing that these principles that we hear every time about walking these virtues, it cuts across this industry as well. And we need to apply them to our, in our lives. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think... There are a lot of relationships between like even patients, right? Because I think being patient is like the most basic, mm-hmm. right? With being patient comes like endurance. With being patient comes like resilience. With being patient comes like understanding, you know? And gratitude. Because too. you need to understand it, the, 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 the times that you're in. You need to understand exactly. Exactly. your environment. Exactly. You need to understand who you're working with. You understand? So all that builds up on your level of patience, right? Because mm-hmm. if you know that you're playing a long-term game, or if you know you're running a marathon, mm-hmm. you're not looking at a short sprint where you're out of energy. You know, you, know exactly. you need to conserve your energy. Exactly, exactly. You know? Exactly. So I've also come to realize that a lot, a lot of this work that we do is very mental, mm-hmm. right? I think it's more 80% mental and it's 20% output. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. What you just said, you have to quote that thing right there. That is perfect. <laughs> what did I say? The, 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 the ratio between the mental and the output, because, and just going back to even this thing about um, patience and even believing yourself, all those things are all like meant right here before you even do the work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so being yeah, the work yeah. there, but then do you even believe this gallery that you, are, you really admire or who is out to you is going to take your work or yeah. you're going to work with them? Or do you even believe that you are good enough? I patient enough to yeah. wait for that email response. I pay, like all those things. So like, this is really key. Like to, to know this is, like, yeah. yeah, this is perfect. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to point on it. I feel like once you make that, you have to, it's like you have to make the mindset work part of your daily practice, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're priming yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, one of the ways I do that is like I trick my brain into thinking mm. one, I'm a beginner. And then yeah. at the same time, I'm the best storyteller alive. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I carry these two opposing thoughts. It always makes me like have a beginner's mind, but I also have the confidence that I can do this and do it yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's how I approach it mentally. It also shows in the work that I do. I don't take it for granted. And I like, yeah. I also try to like improve myself and prove what I do mm-hmm. all the time. Like a blend of humility and confidence at the same time. Yes. Like I'm going yes. to admit that I'm starting or I'm young or whatever it is. And being confident to know that yeah. that doesn't mean that I'm not good or I'm not great or I'm not aspiring yeah. to whatever it is. It's like blending the two. So yeah, yeah. as I like watched you yesterday, I think that's how I feel. Yeah. yeah. And, and when you're able to do that for a long period of time, I think that's when you're able to sort of like attain mastery, right? Yeah. Because uh, if you have mastery of yourself, I think it translates into your work. Yeah. Right. So yeah. at, at that point, it doesn't even matter what material you, you work with. Your identity is poured into whatever you, you create. It shows mm-hmm. that, okay, Tela is the one that made this cup or Tela is the one that built this engine or Tela is the one that built this table. Mm-hmm. It shows. Yeah. You understand. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we also have to appreciate. We have to appreciate like the the journey as much as the destination exactly yeah. to close on that i feel like yeah we're just at the very beginning as a continent like africa as a continent is relatively very young we're mm-hmm. only 80 years in in terms of yeah. development right oh. there's like there's no rush there's no rush everybody can win all of us can exactly. win i'm telling you dela yeah, yeah. so oh, that's, I, that's I, just I, to, to tie in on the patience bit <laughs> yeah, 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 you're dropping a lot. And, and to turn on the Jenny thing you said, one thing that, that came to me recently was just this idea of being grateful. Because you know, like, it's easy to, as artists, to always, there's this high that you get after when there's a show taking place. And sometimes don't want that high to go. It's like, it's happening, it's happening. And you just wish it could be happening every single day. But then that can also lead to burnout. When it's over, then the, the thing about, being restless and wanting it to happen again. You know, it's another thing I feel like affects artists. Like that, that, that yeah. mental frustration. Like, yeah, that's high. Yeah. It's like, where's this thing? Am I disappearing in this industry? No show. Like, what's happening? But you probably just finished a show a week ago and I want to be the center of attention. I realized that the thing that really helps us is this idea of gratitude. Just realizing that let me be grateful for what I had and I understand that someone's, someone's turn. <laughs> let them also have that because I mean, you can't be the only. No, so just that idea of gratitude, just going through and asking, asking ourselves, what are the opportunities that we've received that probably no one else received? And just being grateful for yeah. that, which I guess goes back to that 80% mental because it's easy to have the work there. But then the question, are you being grateful for, like I'm saying, grateful for Jude's list? That's it. It's, it's huge. Like being grateful for that. You know, grateful for the various things that have happened this week. Like it's easy to just have to do something and forget it even happened and chasing the next thing, chasing the yeah. next thing. You know, so... I just realized recently, like taking those moments to just pause and to ask ourselves what is what has happened that we are really grateful for, and rather than just chasing the next, who's, who's, who am I going to work with? What am I going to sign? How much more am I going to make? Like all of that, and just freeze everything and just appreciate everything happening in that moment, and just like rest, rejuvenate. You know, so it, it's something I realized it's that recently is also very important during the journey, yeah. which. 
really helps with the 80% mental that I think you, you spoke about as well. Yeah, because the beauty of it is that whatever goal you set, whatever achievement you, you want to have, right, whatever accolades, whatever accomplishment, is going to take time. It's like the time you can't work your way around it. Whether exactly. you start today or you start 10 years from now, you still need the time input. Yeah. You're better off just forgetting about the time that is going to elapse and just focus on what you can do now, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. that way narrows down your focus to just right now. It makes your decision-making very clear because you're not looking for results tomorrow. Exactly, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes we shortchange ourselves by looking for quick results because, oh, Della did a show in 2022. He wants to do one in 2023. He wants to do one in 2024. You know, it takes time. You know, it takes time. So, it's, so that's the that's the beauty of it. We're not comparing ourselves to another. Yeah, once you get comfortable with some of these truths that it takes time. Yeah, exactly. You're not competing with anyone else. It's just now you trying to improve what you did previously, building up on your last yeah. body of work, right? Yeah, exactly. Because your last body of work is your last reference. Mm-hmm. That's the next layer of work that you have to add on to. Like you also learn to appreciate that okay, you, your work can also plateau, right? It means you need to go back to the 80-20% rule that I, I mentioned, that maybe there's something you need to relearn about yourself, or there's something you need to discover about yourself just to have that mental hack and mental agility to create something new. Mm-hmm. That's so true. That's so true. Because that pause, I feel like it's, it's very important. That pause where you're just not feeling like everything should happen in one year. <laughs> you know, every opportunity should happen in one year. Every show should happen. I mean, like, I mean, this imagine you're showing the same thing everywhere. Like, you even feel like yeah. you're not being creative, you know? So, but like, like this thing about the comparison thing, I, I realized that's that a lot because imagine you're just checking out that, oh, this artist did this thing here and doing this here. The next thing you want is, now I need to have mine here as well. And that comparison, I feel like it's what work and disturbs a lot of artists because you're seeing your fellow artists have a show here, here, and yeah. here. And you feel like that should be you. That should be you here. And that if that um affects even the work you're doing because now you want to just rush work. But realize that they're doing something and that's selling. So you want to move in that direction and do the same thing because you hope you you quote unquote cash out. Then it doesn't go well and you're angry with them because you feel like you copied them. Yeah. And you're angry with yourself. You know, so, so, so I feel like it goes back to that thing you said as well, being true to yourself. I'll give you a, a very good reference, right? So in the podcast yeah, world, sure. right? And th- this is before I started. So before I started, I, I, I was doing research on like starting a podcast, what you need to know, blah, blah, blah. Watching all those YouTube videos, blah, blah, blah. Right? Yeah. And you realize that most people start a podcast and then they do three episodes. So by episode three, they've lost that passion or enthusiasm they had to continue because <laughs> yeah. you didn't know what you were signing yeah. up for. So there's a graveyard yeah. of podcasts that just ends at episode three, right? Mm-hmm. Then there's another level where people do up to like 20 episodes, right? Or up to like 21. And then they also stop, right? So it means they also had some driving commitment, but like life is going to happen, you know? Yeah. Life is going to happen. What you need in terms of consistency to keep moving past 
I've been there. There are days where I'm like, no, I don't want to do this thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. That level of consistency where you're able to push push past, like, your threshold of, like, doing, like, 50 episodes, 200 episodes, that's when you know that, okay, mm-hmm. I have skin in the game, right? Yeah. That's when you can own yeah. what you do. Because, like I said, yeah. now it becomes a mental thing now. Me telling stories mm-hmm. is part of my identity now. It's ingrained. You understand? So this this is more natural than it would be when I was doing like episode episode twenty one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm talking about podcasts, but I'm not talking about podcasts. If you know what I mean, I feel like it, it applies with yeah, yeah. everything in life. When you start out, your three paintings yes. in, mm-hmm. it's very easy to give up as an artist, right? Your yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there's some series that were just like I say, exactly to your extent. It's like this yeah. is not going anywhere. <laughs> It's just yeah. Like, yeah, so I like that. When you do something that you can't really see it going really far, you can't, you can't see yourself creating more than yeah. a certain number of things. You just know this is yeah. no way it's going. Yeah, but I mean, like what you're saying is so true because some podcasts have <laughs> signed up to L, just like yeah. 20. And these have been some, yeah. some high yeah. brands. So uh, just like, I mean, like 90, like just a few. I'm like, where, where did this thing go? Yeah, so I'm not understanding the thing. I don't know if it's planning, like, as you're saying, like you really plan and research before you even do it, or is it your, your identity that you have to like then work on to make sure that I mean, this is my identity and it's not just a, a yeah. short term whatever it is thing. So, for for you, what was it? Was it about knowing that this is my identity and that's why I can go the long term, or would you say it was the research that helped you strategize? So I would say the real yeah. component is understanding what your purpose is, because if you know what your purpose is, yeah you can easily like backtrack to uh, outline what the vision is. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. (laughs) I've clearly understood my purpose. It's so clear in my mind what I need to do with my time on earth. It's so clear. Like it's so vivid. And I'm grateful to God that at this age in my life, God has given me the raw materials to go after my purpose. It removes all the question marks. Like I just know I just need to work. You know, so I'm yeah. so dedicated yeah. and so committed about the work that everything else doesn't even matter. You know, if 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 people matter, yeah. connect with it or not, it's still going to work. You know why? It's purpose yeah. driven. Why? It's long term driven. You understand? It's the play is twenty years into the future. What is happening now is very. It's, it's just a, a tiny mm-hmm. drop. My work I've yeah. done in one year is going to be very small compared to the work I do in twenty years. That is going to be so significant. Yeah. You can't ignore it. You understand? Yeah, I like how you put God and purpose in because then the, the weight is taken off you. And it's now on God because then you don't have to not no. think about everything I'm going to be doing. No. But you just trust that you be inspired to do. The magic ingredient in there is obedience. Just show up. If you show up, the work is bad. If you show yeah. up, it doesn't look nice. If you show up, it's beautiful. If you show up, it's a masterpiece. If you show up, it's a flop. In all those instances, you have to show up. You understand? Yeah. Yes, when you have that level of acceptance, when you have that level of belief, <laughs> it's like you're walking on water, like you're untouchable. You understand? Because like the outcome yeah. is guaranteed anyway. It's just a matter of when. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to some books. <laughs> I, I wasn't ready to talk about all this, but yeah. yeah. I just feel like I had to share. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like I had to share. Yeah, like it's it's 
I mean, like if it wasn't for today, I, I feel like I'll be telling even telling the team soon. Eighty percent, that eighty percent thing, I'm still stuck on it. The mental thing, because everything you have been saying now, purpose, knowing and believing, it's all mental. Like you need to be so convinced that this is your purpose and like God is guiding me and everything before you even get to the studio, before you even lift up the headphones, before you get the mic, the paintbrush, whatever it is. Yeah. Before that, like, you need to even believe that this is your calling, it's your purpose, or else you're probably wasting your time there. The beautiful thing is that they're like you don't listen to the noise. I sort of read this quote that says, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Everyone can mean you well and say, Dela, I think you should mm-hmm. start experimenting with sand, or I think you should start experimenting with dried grass. Mm-hmm. Right? The mm-hmm. intention comes from a good place. Yeah. Right? But that doesn't mean that's what's best for you. Everyone can give you their opinion, is what I'm saying. Right? But it doesn't mean that their intention yeah. is going mm-hmm. to do you good. Exactly. Exactly. Because they don't have your vision. They don't know yeah. what the final thing is going to look like. You know? So if they see pieces of the puzzle, of course they are going to criticize exactly. and say, oh, you should do it this way. You should adjust. You should, you know, everyone feels like, oh, entitled to sort of like. Yeah give some form of advice but <laughs> yes so true. So true. You, you look at it in the long so, so term true. it's not important at all you know i also could like exactly. steve jobs he says that like for them to also create some of the great products that they had to create they had to say like a thousand no's to all the other ideas exactly. yeah. and i feel like that level exactly. of focus that level of dedication like you said seed time when you when you do that the 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 the, the law of the universe just rewards you because you, you reap what you sow and in multiple fold. Exactly. To borrow another thing again, like this thing where it says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Maybe you are double-minded and you're not even sure whether you're here or here. You know, and anything people tell you, you just jump to it. Like maybe someone suggests something, you're like, okay, I'm going to do this next. I'm going to do this next. Because again, once you're double-minded, it means that you're not solid in that purpose which you've spoken about. So it's just it's the one thing that actually you're talking about just comes to my mind about this idea of being focused against the jobs. He's really solid when it comes to that focus concept, you know, and not being driven by every wind, everything someone says. I feel like that's one thing that I've had to take in a lot because almost everyone comes yeah. to the studio says something. Every exhibition, I, I get a lot of suggestions, you know, and, and I think it's like knowing how to filter everything and know like what you're working with, yeah. what you are putting on the shelf, what yeah. you need to digest, like all those things. I feel like it's rather than just, I'm going to run next week. We are doing this now, you know? So it's, yeah, it's yeah. actually very good. Back to you, Della. What projects are you working on now and what should we expect to see from you? Currently is homecoming. Homecoming is one that I'm passionate about and one that I um, have had currently three homecoming, homecomings, if, if I should put it that way. You know, and trying to uh, expand it to to see where it can where it can go, how to take it further than what I've, I've currently already done. You know, and I guess that's kind of like where my mind is going, and and just to digest all the narratives and to now have conversations with people based on that. Obviously, I can't take people okay. to those all those various spots I have that, but I can yeah. see yeah. meet us at this work and I show up on the motorway. You know, tomorrow that's why I'm exhibiting the work. <laughs> you know, yeah. but then I mean, we never know. But then my point is the fact that it's. With interactions, I'm learning a lot about the material, the people, different things. So, so 
that is the one that uh, what's it called I can share right now without other ones I can't share I guess we'll have to wait and see yeah. but and so far homecoming is the one that I'm really really passionate about yeah and above all else like how do you feel about what you've been able to achieve what you've done and then um, what you're working on well, well I just say I'm grateful I'm really grateful to God because like I mentioned earlier on there was confusion and there was an answer <laughs> so to have that clarity is one thing I'm just grateful for because uh, even amazing some of my team members was does this I mean, some who started with me from the very beginning when I threw that first in a tube. Like, no one believes that, even I don't believe that certain things will have happened yet. Like, it blows my mind because I'm like, well, it's just about obedience. Take in a tube, do work, join it based on some principles and government speaking that I have, I knew over, the, over some time. And the rest happened, you know. So it's, I actually find it very interesting and I'm very grateful for the journey and, I look forward to a lot of what more, uh, what more comes out of, you know, what I'm working on. You know, so, but yeah, the, the key word is gratitude, because I did not see. Sounds good. See Sounds good. Sounds <laughs> good. Sounds. We're almost wrapping up with our conversation. Do you have any last words you want to share with our listeners? Um, the last, <laughs> the last word is just probably something that I've, I've already um, taken from this, which is. 80% of everything we do is mental and 20% is in the doing. So I guess if all artists keep this in mind, you know, whether it's an artist who is working on his very first project, and then that they need to work on all of them, like working on themselves, working on their mind before even focusing on, on, on um, the product, you know, like going to the studio every day, knowing that this is what I have been called to do. And it's about purpose and not just about a trend that is um, happening around, but it's more like, um, something they feel deep within that they're connected to and that they feel like, okay, this is why I'm here. This is, what I, this is my output or what I'm, I'm meant to bring yeah. out and not just me adding to something someone else is doing. You know, so, you know, so th- this is just mm-hmm. what, I, what I'm taking from the interview myself and what I want to share with others as well. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. And then lastly, Dela, in your own words, what's your definition for love? <laughs> <laughs> love is patient love is kind (laughs) i don't know that but honestly my definition is that yes his patience is kind but then i guess is that overwhelming you know desire or drive to pour out that kindness that that peace you have that joy you have that strength and all that you feel that you have or that you're grounded and pouring that into, into the life of another person. You know, so I, I actually really think that that's what it is. You know, there's something you are, you're overflowing with, which makes you strong that you are, you are pouring your life for other people. And it comes off as kindness, as patience, as all these other virtues that, I mean, are, are listed as love. The other love that we all know, okay, which is, okay. although, I've fallen in love. I feel like it's just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just one of them, but then that, that's more of a deep desire for something, you know, but then I feel like that deep desire, even when you have a deep desire for something, it should lead you to want to do something a lot more, which is sacrificial for the life of another human being. So I'll say love is sacrifice, you know, deep sacrifice. Yeah. Okay. 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 I said a little, but then hopefully 
someone can decode everything who's from meant it. to decode will decode yeah. that's how it works decode yeah yeah exactly yeah. all right but thank you so so much finally finally we've made yeah. it happen i'm glad <laughs> all right all right Charlie. enjoy the rest of your day thank you so much for your time okay all right bye-bye bye-bye thank you so much okay all right all right all right